We are continuing our series in counterculture. Last week we talked, we, we opened up the series about what it looks like to be counterculture, how we're called to be a counterculture, not just a culture that uh, is a part of the world or, or, or is in the world, but a culture that counters the world in a, in a way that we reflect and show the love of Jesus, okay, a culture that would resist what the world is trying to tell us is the correct culture or culture that's going to ultimately fulfill us. You know, we touched based on what that looked like. We touched based on, on how maybe the, the, the situation with Lil Nas X and what that looked like and how we can be a counterculture against that. And today we're continuing the series. But before that, I, I have a question really quick. You know, we played the money game earlier, right, about what was more expensive, what was the Dorito chip it was like $55,000, I think, or something like that. And uh, Bruce was like, yeah, dude, totally. Like, I'd buy that Dorito in a heartbeat. <laughs> but uh, has anybody ever been so broke that, like, you were literally, like, just sad? I know it might be different because, like, I know maybe my young adults could relate a little bit more to me. <laughs> yeah, because all of them were like, I'm broke, right, as a joke. I remember one time I was in college, okay? When I was 18, I just said, I'm out of here, mom, dad, but I love you. So send me money, please because I don't have money when I go to college. So I moved out, I went and I rented an apartment. I had like my buddies with me. I said, we're gonna do it, I'm gonna grow up. I'm gonna be an adult until I realized I had no idea what I was doing and that things cost money that I don't have, okay? And so I was like, how am I gonna do this? Rent's like 500 bucks. That's literally my savings from whatever I did at Schlitterbahn because I used to work at Schlitterbahn, worst job ever. Um, but I remember one time, I, I literally had no money. I was broke as a joke, like broke, broke, broke. And I literally had no food, like no food. And I know it doesn't look like I didn't eat, like, like, come on, you like, you know you eat. But at the time, I didn't. I didn't have food. And I remember my buddy was like, hey, yo, let's go to, let's go to McDonald's or, or whatever. Let's go to the Peter Piper Buffet. Hey, Peter Piper Buffet, that's what's up. And I was like, ah, oh, man, like, like, I don't have money, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I'm legit. Like, I have no money, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and he goes... I got you. Has anybody ever cried from those three words? Like, <laughs> isn't like, like actually, like, has anybody ever, I don't know if you, I think you guys will understand my pain when you get older and you realize like those three words are one of the most beautiful words you will ever hear in your life. I got you. And if they add a bro, you know, you're in love. You know that that's a homie for life. You will never, ever neglect him. You will always be there for him because he was there for you that one time. And he got you Peter Piper or McDonald's or Hunt Spicy, whatever it was. And I've done that for my friends too. I got you, bro, right? Credit. No, I'm kidding. Don't use credit cards to pay for your friends. But the point is, is that we live in a culture, though, that's really about us, right? Sometimes... They're like, oh, you're too broke, so I'm not going to invite that person because let's not invite that guy because he never has money. We always got to pay for him. Let's just go and do our own thing. Let's go. And you go to like Saltgrass or like Salome or like the patio. And I'm like, well, where do you get this money? And I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? But then, you know, you have friends that are, uh, that I got you friends. Okay, that I got you friends. And today we're talking about how Jesus has given himself so generously to us that we and we're so undeserving of that that we're called to do the same for others. As Jesus has been generous to us, we're called to be generous to others. And in this culture, it's very me. It's very hustle, 
I got to make money. How do I make money so that I can get what I want? How can I get that new Xbox? You know what I'm saying? How can I get that new PS5? How can I afford all these new gadgets? How can I get that iPhone 36? Like, how can I get that money so that I can get me what I need, what I want, right? Instead of where can that money be spent to bless other people? And we need to be a culture because let's be real. I mean, I used to watch Super Bowl commercials and then go to Stripes to get Doritos just because that Super Bowl commercial was so amazing. We live in a world that is focused on wanting to input in our brains that we need to buy things to make us, like specifically us, feel good. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called, we're called to be a counter culture. Uh, and the first point, very simply, is that we give because it is a means of worship. Okay? Now, usually when you hear the word worship, you equate that with music, with singing, right? Worship is all about how, how nice the music sounds. Worship is about how, how the lights look really nice, how, how well the person sings. But worship comes in many different forms. And I never thought of the idea of how giving could be a form of worship. But it is. When you have that I got you friend, you don't realize that, it, it, I mean, that this person is sacrificing out of their own pocket to do something for you, even though you don't, you don't deserve it. I guarantee you, you don't deserve that. The friend that, that offered me that I got you, I've probably said some bad things about this person in my day. Guarantee it, actually. Pretty sure I've even told him to his face the things that I feel about. But yet, he goes, I got you. We give because it's a means of worship. Verse uh, 1 says this. We're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. And, and just a quick little background. The church of Corinth was a church that was kind of messed up. It was kind of crazy. There was a lot of things going on. But Paul loved this church, loved writing to them because he understood that this was a church that would continue to make disciples of all nations. Paul just loved being a church planter and continuing to help the church grow. And in this moment, there was a church in Macedonia that was doing a lot of, that was going through a lot of things. They were hurting. Okay, they were hurting in a lot of different ways. Persecution, right? Money, Right? They, they, they were struggling, but yet this is what Paul says. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, really quick, the word grace. Okay? The word grace comes with a lot of different meanings sometimes. Okay? Sometimes you'll hear that, you'll hear that grace is, is undeserved favor. Okay? Grace is, is uh, getting something you don't deserve. Um, you hear like, let's, let's say grace when you want to pray for the food. Who's going to say grace, right? But in this context of the church, the grace that God has given the Macedonian comes in the way of, of uh, providing, okay? Provision. God has shown grace on the church of Macedonia. He has shown his provision to the church of Macedonian. Verse two, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So again, these people are going through it. They don't got money. 
They, they can't afford things. Yet, in spite of that, they chose to give whatever they could to the church, to their brothers and sisters who were struggling. Now, I know sometimes money, I mean, you're young. It's like, why are we talking about money right now? Like my, my parents like provide everything for me. And yes, you're right. But it's still important that we as a younger generation begin to understand the power and the gift of generosity because there's power in that. There's power in a simple, hey, I got a Rice Krispie. Do you want it, my friend? Like, I got you. You look hungry. There's power in that. In one simple act of generosity, how somebody can come and recognize the goodness of Jesus through that one Rice Krispie, straight up. And notice that they were going through different trials, yet they still gave. They gave beyond their ability. Beyond what they could even give, beyond what they could even give, they gave. And I'm going to be straight up. There's some times where I know I can give plentiful and I choose not to. And I choose not to. And is that a, that's a reflection of what's going on in my heart. When I see a brother, then I know I could probably give him a sandwich and say, nah, I'm good. That's a reflection of what's going, what's battling internally because, again, of what's been instilled in my mind culturally about what it means to, to be careful within your own self. I'll give to my family. Am I going to give to a stranger? I don't know. Am I give to a friend's friend? Probably not. Yet, I can just imagine that this church, I mean, I'm sure they knew each other, but they didn't know each other to the extent where, I mean, I can't even imagine to where like, they would be able to just give things away beyond what they were even able to do. Like, I could just imagine the idea of like, this is all we have left for my family, but I'm going to give this to you. But why did they do it? Because they wanted the privilege of sharing in service to the Lord's people. They viewed it as a privilege. As a privilege. Anybody know what privilege means? You ever hear the term, um, you don't have to be here. This is a privilege to be here. To be at Peter Piper, it's a privilege. Whatever, right? And you're like, what? What does that even mean? Okay. A privilege means like, I don't want to botch, botch this either. But like literally that you don't have to, but you're able to. Okay. In other words, some people don't have the privilege to give. They, they, they don't, but they still do. These people viewed it as a privilege to do it. So it was an honor. It was awesome to be able to say, I have this toast. Like I'm going to give it. It was a privilege. They didn't have to do it, but they wanted to out of their own hearts. They gave because it was a reflection of Jesus. We give because it is a reflection of Jesus. Verse 8, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. We need to test the sincerity of our love. Now, if you look at it just face value, this verse, and you see Jesus being rich and then becoming poor, 
yet he became poor so that we become rich. Now, this is not talking about money itself, okay? So rich and poor can mean different things too, okay? Rich is not always about finances and money and things like that, but poor is also not all about being poor, but being rich in spirit, rich in life, poor in spirit or poor in life. And Jesus was rich in life, so rich that he was willing to become poor. In other words, here is a king, okay, King Jesus. And when you think of a king, you got money. You got all the riches in the world. Any riches that you could think of, you got it. Jesus was rich, yet he was a God, or he is God. He came down to earth to to just be among mere humans. He became poor. We die Okay, we're poor and our bodies won't last forever physically. We get sick. Okay, we, we, we can't handle certain things in life. We, we, we bump our knee and we, we cry for a year because oh, I hurt my knee that one time or whatever, right? Like we, we just can't handle it. But Jesus decided to leave his perfect, his perfect place where he was and come to earth among mere humans so that we could then be seated with God in heaven. Think about that. Jesus was the biggest reflection of what it looks like to be generous. He came for our sake to become poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. We give because it is a reflection of Jesus. And lastly, we give because Jesus gave us more than we deserve. We give because Jesus gave us more than we deserve. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace, surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is Paul saying here? That because you, because you continue to be generous, because you continue to give freely, that you reflect the person of Jesus. Because of that, you are also showing other people who Jesus is. God is going to be glorified. And because of that, we continue to be filled and given grace. And the gift of grace that God has given us. See, grace is a gift. It's undeserved. Okay? Grace is not earned. You cannot work yourself up to the amount of grace. When I was born, okay, when I was born, Came out, just naked, boom. My mom and dad, they put clothes on me. They didn't know I was gonna tell them off in like three years or throw up on them in like four. They didn't know that. They just knew I'm gonna provide because I love him. He's my son, right? Undeserved grace. And our father shines grace on all people. And we, again, are called to be generous, Generous, And I'm not just talking about uh, money. What does it mean to be generous? You can give your time. You can give 
your, your service to somebody. Being generous isn't always about being financially giving people or buying people food, even though that's amazing. Generosity comes in so many different forms. And I challenge you, if you see a brother or sister that needs help in any form or fashion, that you would be so generous to say, hey, can I help you with that? I'll hold the door open for you as you walk out with this whatever plant or something, right? Hey, your shoe's untied. Let me tie that shoe for you. What? That's weird. Yeah, I know, but it's okay. Right? We are called to be generous. We're called to be a counterculture in a world that we live where we're all about me. That's not what God calls us to do. We give because he loves us and because he first gave us more than anything that we could possibly deserve. Um, one of my favorite videos I've ever seen, I was going to show it, but I completely forgot to put it up here, was, have y'all ever seen those um, videos where they give, like, this person who's color... Is there anybody that's colorblind in here? Okay. Well, I'm just curious. But anyway, good. There's, I mean, nobody's colorblind here. But uh, there's videos where people will get, like, these colorblind glasses to people who are colorblind, and then they can see color for the first time. And, you know, that stuff gets me all the time because they just start crying, and they, they, they've never seen colors in this way before. Right, and there was a video where uh, some some students in high school got together and they they bought uh, their classmates some goggles, right, so they could see color for the first time. And in this video, they give him the box, and he's like confused, like what's in here, whatever. He opens it and he sees the glasses, and the reaction on his face is price. Excuse me, is priceless. And I mean, I started like welling up in my eyes, and I was like, oh my gosh, don't do it, Eli. And then he puts on the glasses and he just starts bawling. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I start crying because it just got you. Like for the first time ever, this person is able to see all of the colors that he was never able to see before because of the generosity of his classmates. And I often wonder, what would it look like, right, if we were to do that, right? How would we feel if we were never able to see but as we put on the goggles, we finally see, and you know what I think about it? No, we have had that done before. And it was done by Jesus. We had no idea that we were in despair. We had no idea that we were depraved until Jesus came and showed us the greatest thing that we could ever have was life in him. And he gave us eyes to see that for the first time and he gave us life. And now we can give that to other people. Yet sometimes we choose not to. Calvary students were called to be disciple makers at the end of the day. And if you're in here and you call yourself a believer of Jesus and you know the goodness of Jesus and you finally can see, then we need to come together just like those classmates in the school and buy goggles for everybody else that doesn't know the goodness of Jesus so that they can see for the first time in their lives that everything they ever needed was found in Jesus, the giver of life, the water that will always quench their thirst, the Jesus that loves them. And I pray that as we go into our secret times right now that we'd be able to share and challenge each other and serve one another and what it looks like to be generous. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Father, that as we continue to just go into our secret times that we'd have uh, quality conversations, that our students would be able to just be sincere, uh, they would have questions, that our leaders would be able to be an influence in their lives, that ultimately your spirit continues to move as we talk about what it looks like to be counterculture. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. It's your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.